0: Hey everyone, how are you going? It's Martin Joyce here. Uh, I, today we are going to talk about the future of human and social services here in Canada. And I have a colleague with me, a leader in this space, Michael Capus. Michael is a
1: partner here at KPMG.
0: Michael, do you just want to introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Absolutely, thanks Martin. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, as Martin said, uh, I work in the human and social services space across Canada with governments and nonprofit providers of all different levels on a range of business and technology transformations in their organizations to help support vulnerable Canadians.
0: Excellent, Mike. So today we are going to traverse a number of topics and we're going to think through what is the future of human and social services here in Canada. And, and obviously, just given the fact that we are still in the midst of a pandemic, you know, this sector in particular uh, has borne the brunt of some of the implications of that. And and we have seen some interesting changes, not just here in Canada, but also globally with, with this service sector and things around virtual care, things around technology, things around service redesign to ensure that vulnerable populations can safely still receive the services and supports they need. And that's going to shape, I think, the future of this sector for the long term, because it's very difficult to see when this ends, when this pandemic ends, and, and hopefully we're not too far off that, this sector going back to what it was doing before. I think we've learnt a lot of new things. I think the sector in particular has innovated in a number of different ways and has shown the ability to you know, do things differently very, very quickly. There, was, there wasn't a lot of time to change. And I think they've shown a willingness to adopt some of these innovations. And so we're going to talk about some of these things, not just today, but over a series of podcasts. But Mike, I just want to ask you the first question. And it's really around when you're thinking about human and social services, the government and the organizations that deliver to vulnerable populations. Have you seen a shift in how they view service delivery and their clients?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think that's a really good question, Martin. I think, you know, particularly COVID has highlighted a lot of that for organizations. I think prior to COVID we saw governments and organizations starting to rethink through that. I know KPMG did a survey of human and social services organizations and eight out of 10 of the organizations that we surveyed said they were making customer centric strategy their priority. And when we talk about customer, we're talking about the clients, the end users who are ultimately served by this and really putting them back at the center. And I think, Client centered thinking has always been sort of at the forefront of the sector, but I think particularly it's been more poignant over the the past few months that we've been living in this new environment. You know, COVID has certainly impacted people disproportionately who live in poverty or who are homeless and particularly those who were on the fringes of those risk factors before COVID suddenly found themselves living in those situation so governments really had to respond and and i know in ontario ontario launched COVID hubs that really tried to integrate some of the social services to make it easier for people to access assistance programs we saw a range of different responses across the the country to homelessness whether it was Governments leasing hotel space that was vacant and, and providing those opportunities for people who were living in homelessness or were fleeing domestic violence to be able to access shelters. Particularly, I think the, the biggest lasting impact from COVID is really the childcare conversation. And I think, particularly, mothers and working mothers, whether they're single or they work in dual parent families, childcare has become a real situation across the country. Um, I know my own colleagues who who I work alongside struggle a bit with trying to find suitable childcare, and I, you know I can't imagine people who live in in particular hard hard hit situations, you know lower socioeconomic um, situations, who can't afford basic childcare or can't afford to take off work. So you know responses to childcare, whether that's increasing the level of funding. Whether that's increasing the level of access to spaces, you know, there's a whole range of things. And I think we saw that with the federal announcement around trying to create a national childcare strategy, trying to move into that direction. I think the last area, just from a customer perspective is around disability and particularly disability is, is becoming more, I would say from a government perspective, there's sustainability challenges around the programming that's offered. Typically, it was created sort of as a patchwork of responses to various policy issues. People are living longer now. We have more recognition of a greater range of disabilities. So mental health being a a primary driver of a number of disability conditions for people now. And so we have to think about how to how to shift the preventative uh, range of disability services, really around better supporting people as children. And then ultimately, you know, for adults, they're they're more set up for success. And, and I think that's about learning about the lifetime trajectories. And, you know, we did a piece of work with the provincial government around um, mapping the lifetime trajectory of of children as they move through the disability system. And that was really helpful to understand some of the pain points and barriers that that people face from that, that customer centric perspective.
0: The, the interesting thing about the, the customer centricity is really the personalization agenda, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Where,
0: where the service system doesn't respond to the client group as a homogenous group. You know, They all don't have the same issues. They all don't have um, the same impacts as a result of those issues. And it's really understanding that there are groups of people that require a different set of supports at different times with varying levels of intensity. And the service system must respond in that way. And, and, you know, you think about customer centricity and the only way you can figure what those impacts are and and, and how a person reacts to them and what they need and the intensity levels is to really understand your cohort of clients that are coming through your
1: door. Yeah. No, and I would I would totally agree with that. I think it and that comes back to sort of the future of human and social services in terms of understanding the client more right and what kind of information do we need to gather and from which different sources, because we often sort of see them from the social lens come in. But maybe they've attached the healthcare system at some point, and particularly in the siloed way that governments are designed, you know, it doesn't give us the ability to see that sort of cross-cutting information of a client and their story Mm -hmm. to really help to inform what kind of responses would be best suited to that person's situation. Mm. I guess sort of thinking around the sort of the integration of of human and social services, Martin. What do you think the future of service delivery holds for human and social services?
0: Yeah, look, I I think the continuation of the of the personalization agenda is a, a big factor in this how do services respond to individual circumstances and this this isn't about not having consistency this is really about understanding how can you have the greatest impact on that person at that time and then and then to your point how do you get that information how do you collect that information and how do you really understand and relay that back to government that you are having this impact, okay? And so I think redesigning the service system is is going to be critical in this. And there are movements, and there was movements before COVID, around that. You know, we, you and I have seen examples in jurisdictions across Canada where governments were, um, as 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 you know, the lexicon is modernising service delivery because I think there was a recognition that we are in twenty twenty one and um, we do need to make them more contemporary. I, I, I think that's the biggest one. I think the other one that comes along with that service system sort of modernization is how do you reduce the fragmentation across the system? And, and by that I mean you do get a different experience potentially going to a different support service, and it's a very hard system to navigate, and, and I think that's well recognised. And so how do you make it easy for people who are vulnerable and have some very serious issues to deal with? How do you make it easy for them to find the support they need? You know, it it, it can be quite difficult. So I think reducing fragmentation is the second one. And and I do think, and Michael, I think you and I will touch on this, but the this this technology driven reform that's been going on, you know, as a result of COVID. You know, everybody's going digital and everybody's going, you know, with new technology and everybody's going virtual. You know, that is critical in this um, sector for a number of reasons. One is they do have to rethink how they integrate, you know, some virtual into the service system. And that's partly as a result of COVID and trying to, you know, maintain working spaces for their staff and safe interactions with clients. It's also about how do you efficiently work with people and sometimes people want to do it by phone or online because it's more convenient for them. And so rethinking that, there is a tendency though, and and I, and I think we just have to be aware of this. On the technology side of it, it's not lean on technology. It's not. It's it's not either all in person or all technology. There has to be a balance, right? There there are always circumstances where in person will always be better. There will always be services that are better done in person. So. I think we're at a point now where we've tested virtual really quickly over a 10-month period and we've tested technology that we can start to make some of these decisions about what's the best approach and the best balance for the organizations and also, more importantly, for their clients. So I think service redesign, I think reducing fragmentation, and then how do you upgrade, increase, and utilize technology in a different way?
1: And I I think you're right hitting on your last point there just around sort of what the recent situation has has resulted in. It's resulted in lots of really innovative and rapid thinking around mm-hmm. using technology in different ways, right? Absolutely. And I I completely agree with you that. When we think about modernization, it's not about pushing everything to a website or to an app or to artificial intelligence. There needs to be that balance between, you know, click, call, and come in, you know, the in-person, the virtual, and the and the online, you know, yeah. self-service sort of approaches. And I think I think we're starting to see that. I think the human and social services sector, particularly in Canada has been behind on the technology front for for a long time and i think that this COVID situation has sort of forced the hand a bit in terms of trying to accelerate some of that work i know you know one of the pieces of work that we did for a toronto-based charity was around you know helping that organization to shift from a sort of very in-person approach to delivering food for children in schools to suddenly shifting to a digital platform to enable them to still do that and to that mandate. But when schools were shut down and people have moved to online work learning, children weren't able to access food in the schools anymore. So how do we make sure that they're still able to do that, right? Yeah. It's really called into question how we, how we have to pivot quickly. And, you know, they were able to do that in a, in a really rapid way with, you know, not having to invest in really expensive technology. And I think that's the, the other piece of it is the investment side. I think human and social services organizations kind of have this expectation that technology is always going to be really expensive, but you have to balance that technology with with how you change your service delivery model and how you change your organization and maybe your structure as well to accommodate that. I think mobile technologies is going to be the next big wave in the human and social services space, particularly to enable caseworkers to work in the fields more, because if they're not able to return to their offices and they have to work from, you know, work from home, work from their car or whatever. I think in terms of the virtual care that you talked about, you know, being able to face to face with a uh, caregiver and the client that they're working with in a virtual way so that they don't lose that touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the proliferation of virtual care apps over the past, I would say year has been exponential across. Like, you know, you look at, you know, just even the use of Zoom, right? And yeah. many organizations are using that as their platform because it's infrastructure that already exists. So there's lots of things out there that, that work. What what else have you seen, Martin? I guess from a technology perspective in HSS or other trends that re- reflect the future of?
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a good question. I mean, the 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 research that we did, you know, highlighted that eighty one percent of um, executives in this sector uh, have a priority around digital technology and enabling all the architecture that sits behind, you know, all of that stuff. Right. I think the other side of it. That is interesting. Is where you can use technology to do processes slightly differently, and and we have seen that here certainly in Ontario in in one particular sector where you know they they did a lot of home based um, uh, reviews and they moved those online and and in fact um, you know about not not the whole process they like about ninety percent of it, but it just allowed them to do more and to do it differently and to realise that they didn't need to travel all of the time in the car to go to all of these different sites, that they could sit there and do it virtually for the most part, right? There were still elements that still needed to be done in person. They needed somebody on site at the time. But it's it's also that integration around the business processes for the organisations and the service providers. So it isn't just about the care side of it. It's about, you know, how do you do inspections differently or or how do you do intake and assessments differently in in order to deal with growing demand growing complexity you know and the outcomes that covid are going to have on the population and and you know once the pandemic ends that doesn't mean the impacts will end right they they're going to be felt for um, I'd, I'd say years to come on a whole range of fronts so i think that's the other thing that i've seen michael is is organizations have been really willing to relook at you know the operational side of their um, entities as well um, and and I think that's been encouraging and people have have leapt into it you know we, we've had sessions with uh, stakeholders in this space and, and they've all said you know how quickly that everybody's gravitated towards doing things differently and nobody um, has put up any sort of protests around no, no, that, that's the old way. We're staying with the old way. You know, virtually everybody has said, well, we're in this situation. We're going to have to do it differently. So let's just do it differently and figure it out as we go. And, and the point about going back to the old way, I think the longer this lasts, the less chance that's ever going to happen, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: There was just one more thing I think that's happened here too. And I think this is more on the human side of it is I think if, if you can call a positive in a pandemic, but I think it has shown the value of the workforce in this space, you know, mm-hmm. the value of personal carers and the value of foster carers and the value of you know, people who are working on the front lines with vulnerable groups day after day after day. I think this has just shone a light on that and shown the true value of what they bring to our communities right, and, and to you know, our various provinces and, and, and Canada as a country. And, and, I think, and, and I think that's a good thing. Unfortunately, it's taken a pandemic to do that, but I think you now people really understand the value of the of the the staff and the workers and the carers, um, in this sector like they didn't before, and you know
1: maybe maybe that's one thing that we can keep keep carrying forward. Absolutely, I I totally agree with you on that. And maybe as we wrap up, Martin, yeah, maybe sure. i just point out that uh, we've just recently published uh, the future of human and social services. So it's a publication that really talks about how organizations are thinking about building connected enterprises. So building on that conversation we were having around integration and reducing fragmentation. So. You know, if people are interested, there's lots of great examples in there that are based on inputs from global leaders in the HSS space across, across Canada and around the world, and and include some examples, and even just things that that they're thinking about and some of the concerns that they're having. So I'd encourage our listeners to to pick up the publication and 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 flip through it and read through it.
0: Absolutely, excellent. Uh, on That's that awesome. note, Michael, we might wrap up um, and give everybody back their time. Uh, it's been a pleasure, everybody. Uh, Hopefully you found some value uh, in this podcast. Um, Hopefully the ideas resonated with you and the the discussion. This is the first one. We are going to do a series of these uh, talking about the future of human and social services. And we'll focus on some different topics on each one. Um, And if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to Michael or myself at any time. Thanks. Thank you.